Welcome to the Travelling Tribes podcast, the latest insight into group travel and tourism trends. Host Jeff Gader, publisher of Leisure Group Travel Magazine and author of Travelling Tribes, interviews travel industry standouts and influencers for an engaging conversation about group travel. Um, hello, everybody. This is Jeff Gadek, and happy to be with you again from the Traveling Tribes podcast. Uh, I have a very special guest, guest with me today, Catherine Brather from the National Tour Association. Catherine, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. I always enjoy conversations about our wonderful industry, so I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, and it's been a while since we spoke as well, so I think we've got a lot of catching up to do, which is awesome, and you've got a lot of news in the marketplace, so it's a very apropos time uh, in late 2023. Great, yep, thank you. I We do have a lot to share. <laughs> yeah, so so uh, I, I, I received the NTA member survey, which I want to dive into because there was some really interesting data that you disclosed from your members. And I, I think a lot of it's very positive, but also points to some challenges that are happening in the industry. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, I know you're just getting off an airplane last night from a tourism cares event. So I, I want to, to sort of dive into that part of your business because Tourism Cares has taken on uh, a very important role in the uh, the travel industry post-COVID, and really NTA was the incubator of that group. So I uh, want to get a little background on what your involvement is with that, and I think you also were a, an award winner at this, um, this event in New York. Yep, NTA was indeed. Now, I, I love your uh, hearing that you are uh, saying that Tourism Cares, um, you know, is, is is making such a difference because I agree and I love that 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 you're recognizing that. But uh, 20 years ago, NTA's foundation it was the National Tour Foundation, came together with USTOAs, the United States Tour Operator Association, and those two foundations merged to create Tourism Cares. Um, so this year we recognized the 20th anniversary of um, NTA's official nonprofit. So they that's their um, significance to, to our association. But to celebrate, Tourism Cares uh, designated 20 change makers, and those were individuals, um, tour companies, other tourism businesses, and organizations that really contributed to Tourism Cares, their, their uh, evolution these past to uh, two decades. Um, and I, I think what I really want to recognize is that you know, Tourism Cares is focused on unifying the industry to put the people in places of tourism first. And that is, in, in my mind, simpatico with NTA's mission and our core values, meaningful travel, you know, creating and supporting an inclusive community um, and uh, constant collaboration and innovation especially among peers. So that's so much of what Tourism Cares does. That's NTA's mission core values. So I, I, I love that we have such a, a, a good partner to be able to um, help move us forward in that way. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that it's it's really special how they've enhanced the the baseline of what they're doing for the industry. So you know, going back 15 years ago, and I'm thinking about the Bruce Beckham days where Tourism Cares did these great cleanup projects where you'd go to New Orleans and you would clean up an impoverished neighborhood, or you know, maybe it was something that was post storm. And I thought those were really great 
events, but they were singular in nature. And, and, and now what Tourism Cares is representing is more meaningful travel and these meaningful travel maps that different des- destinations are putting in line. And you know, I, I know that was one of the questions that you asked during your survey is, you know, who has sustainability plans and who's leaning towards that? And you know, and you can say you want to be sustainable, but actually developing a plan and following through on that, you need some expert advice in order to really do that correctly. Otherwise, okay, we're recycling, you know, plastic cups. Well, you know, where does that get us at the end of the day? It, it needs to be more than that. It it does. I mean, I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head with how Tourism Cares has evolved. You know, they recognize that those were singular things, and, and whereas they were extremely important, you know, at that time, what really was it contributing to the, the long-term good of the industry and really recognizing that we need to protect the very people and places um, that that we're that we're working with, that we're promoting, and and not exploit communities or um, overrun destinations. So that it definitely has been a a big part of how they've evolved. And and to your point, yes, it's it's not an easy thing. And and there are small steps that you can take, but you know to really try and look at it comprehensively, that's that's the most important part. And it's it's big. There's it's um it's not easy, but it doesn't have to be difficult. I agree, especially if if the industry is bonding together in order to to make a commitment, and and we're starting to see that. And I think that's a that's a really special time for the industry because this was an important topic before COVID. But yeah, I think f- from an industry perspective, we went from let's save the planet to let's save our butts, right? Like how do we keep in business and how do we keep the lights on? So all that had to really be uh, thrown by the wayside. But now that business is returning to normal in so many different sectors, uh, it's again gained importance. So it's very encouraging. Exactly. And I think, too, the, the, the part of um, Tourism Care's work that really resonates with me and then once again goes back to supporting NTA's mission and core values is it's it's not just about the places, but it is also inclusivity and mm-hmm. working with local communities and, and ensuring that um, that we're supporting them and using them when we go into a community, but in a way that is is going to be meaningful. And um, it, a perfect example would be for many, many, many years, tour operators had extremely good intentions with um, supporting uh, schools in African nations. So you would have these you know, tour groups that would go in and tour these schools. Well, bless these poor children's hearts. They were trying to learn and they were constantly being disrupted by these very well-intended groups. So that's a perfect example of actually working with the community to see what they need, what's really going to support them, um, rather than just giving a feel good to tourists who are going to come in for a couple hours and then leave. So that's an example of how we're evolving in our thinking of how we can do good. True, very true. Well, c- congratulations on the hardware that you picked up yesterday, and I hope that adds to your trophy case, and <laughs> cer- certainly well-deserved. Now, how many years have you been associated with NTA, Catherine? So, I was hired in 1994, so... Wow, um, you yep. were 12, was it, or 11? <laughs> oh, I so wish. I w- <laughs> It is funny, because when I think back, I was 26 when I was hired, and I was one of the youngest, so mm-hmm. now it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a shift, but... It's um it's it's been amazing. I was hired as a, a media writer for the association, and um, something that I shared during remarks um, at the reception for uh, Tourism Cares was that 
in 94, some of the first news releases I wrote were on NTA's National Tour Foundation. So it's just kind of interesting to see things uh, come full circle. And there's never been a dull moment. There's been just so much evolution, but then it's interesting how things haven't changed that much either. So it's, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So give us a snapshot of a typical NTA operator member. And and then I I think along with that, how you've seen that change since 1994. And, you know, if you took a snapshot every 10 years, where has that changed? Obviously, there's some members that were around in 1994 that are still there. But um, I'm interested to see or hear from you how that evolution of the business has occurred with an NTA? Well, you know, I think I would use the words qualified and top quality to describe our two operators. Yet beyond mm-hmm. that, I I don't think that we have a typical tour operator. Um, there is such great variety. Um, you know, we have tour operators who offer primarily motor coach tours to senior groups, yet many of those also do a great deal of international travel, so overseas flights are involved. Um, we have student uh, tour operators who offer a variety of experiences for younger travel travelers, and those include um, performance tours. But we have companies who specialize in LGBTQ plus travel, accessible experiences, sporting events, um, faith-based travel, culinary tours, and so much more. So. I, I think it's 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 difficult to say typical, you know, and, and then once again, our tour operators um, package both group and FIT or independent packages. And that's really why we speak more or I think this was actually back in the 90s where we started using package travel or travel packages to describe what our tour operators do because it was not only group, um, sure. but they do schedule departures, customized experiences. So within our membership category, you're going to find tour operators, um, receptive operators for both domestic and international travel, and and then DMCs. Um, so, you know, talking about changes, I think the biggest changes um, within my tenure have really been related to group sizes, uh, the more variety of experiences, everything that I was mm-hmm. just saying, that's definitely evolved, and then more FIT. And those have all been driven um, by traveler experiences um, and just the tour operator adapting to meet those needs. And and I feel it's absolutely NTA's responsibility, you know, or has been through the years and then definitely continue today to ensure that we're, we're um, keeping our members abreast of these changes so that they can um, adapt. Sure, sure. Well, I, I think that I'm looking back as my my time period in the industry really mirrors what you've done is a tour operator in 1994 was usually a regional motor coach bus tour company. And um, boy, they might have done some air trips, but they probably didn't even do international tours. And seeing how the industry has shifted, and I think that regional tour operator still exists, but um, it certainly is not the dominant component anymore. More, no, uh, I think it's, yeah, the internet too, you know, that that opened up everything where someone they were only able to market regionally. Well, the internet changed so much of that. And so NTA was founded in 1951, you know, definitely had, you know, US members, then we grew to Canadian. And then it was in 2001 when our tour operator membership 
um, voted to amend the bylaws to bring in membership outside North America. So that's in 2001 when, you know, that probably not the best time, unfortunately, you know, um, but that's when we opened our doors to international because our tour companies at that time were already taking um, travelers overseas, but we needed to ha have the partners for them within our membership community. So that's why um, we opened those those doors. So, so looking at 2023, where are you seeing membership interests, applications from, I, I think, specifically operator-wise, um, domestically, internationally type of trips? I know you, you mentioned a couple niches earlier, but any particular trend or type of operator that you're seeing that is interested in NTA? You know, frankly, we we're seeing membership from all over, literally. You know, we so we have members of more than thirty countries. Uh, the membership is predominantly U.S. based, but we also have members in Canada, and then other countries um, around the world. You know, when you think about it, COVID really sparked an entrepreneurial spirit. So we've seen new tour companies coming on board as well as other companies just really seeking new avenues to grow. I mean, we, they contact us and it's so gratifying because they say we're hearing very good things about NTA and we, we want to learn more. So, um, you know, I, I truly, I, you know, when I think about our new tour companies this year and the ones that we saw on the floor at Travel Exchange, it's a really nice mix of, domestic North American travel, um, international. Um, and, and like I said, that entrepreneurial spirit, I think really um, reigns true. Do you think the industry is growing? Are, are there new, are, is the net gain of new operators eclipsing those companies? I, I call them sort of a generational companies. You know, there's been operators that uh, founded by uh, entrepreneur in the 1970s or 80s, and they're at the retirement age. And I, I think the difficulty of, of the tour business is that the value is in the people that run it. And when you remove those people from the business, unless they've managed to scale it to a size to where, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're at a certain volume that it is marketable. So we see those companies just going out of business as natural evolutions. But uh, is it a growing sector? Is it flat? I think it's a great question. So we we had a, a, a net gain of, of tour companies and, and membership overall um, mm -hmm. this year. And, you know, during the COVID years, 20 and 21, there were a few long-term members that you were speaking about who called me and said, you know, Catherine, I, I, I just want to share with you, you know, I've decided at the end of this year to, to close my doors. And they are exactly what you said. They were at an age that rebuilding was just so daunting that, you know, they're like, I've, I've had four or five decades in this amazing industry and it's time to, you know, take my leave. And, you know, frankly, that's why we, we always have offered succession planning sessions um, at our, our shows. But where we started that again, we did one this year at Travel Exchange um, in our survey. We found that succession was something that they want to know more about. Um, so, you know, we'll do that, which is promising because that means, you know, these people are wanting to continue their company, even if they're thinking about their, you know, their future. Um, but I, and then I know of uh, some of our tour companies that are, when they're retiring, they've been selling or they've been merging with other, um, other tour companies. 
But then we've got, I think of, of Tourpreneur, for example, that um, that entrepreneurial spirit with a lot of tour companies that may truly offer experiences, but they call themselves tour operators. They're really more a component of a multi-day tour. Sure, but sure. many of them aspire to be a multi-day tour operator. So I just think that's where a lot of the the, the future lies. So um, I, I think that we as an association, we, we've started doing this, is we're just broadening our perspective of what is a tour operator. Because many of those who have started quote unquote tour companies may not call themselves tour operators or may not think of themselves as a tour operator. Sure, sure. And I agree with you 100%. Those those tour and activity companies, experience providers uh, that are in destination, you know, it's the natural progression of their business. They, they do a great job offering kayak tours in, you know, the Chicago River, for example. Well, if you understand how to operate kayak tours, maybe you want to go to Central America and kayak rivers and you could guide your own trips in the off season because although it's beautiful in Chicago, it's Today, you don't want to be kayaking on the Chicago River. So th those tend to be by nature seasonal businesses. So I, I'm, I'm wondering, I, I know Mitch in his group, um, you know, they do a nice job in trying to incubate that. But, you know, there has to be some opportunities there to really add to the industry and to, you know, increase the amount of companies that are doing tours. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's where... Um, NTA, I, you know, I don't see where we're not just a show. We provide year-round value, and and a huge component of what we do is that the peer-to-peer -peer networking and bringing our members together. As I mentioned earlier, you know, innovation and collaboration, and they know their businesses so well, and they trust one another. So hearing their conversations and how they lift, you know, one another up and learn from each other is is very gratifying, and it's that kind of mentoring um, community that we provide that is very helpful to someone who may aspire to, you know, to, to grow and to do more in the industry. Sure, sure. Okay. So uh, let's turn the page and talk about your member survey, because that's what actually started our email conversation back and forth. Uh, so if I if I remember correctly, this is an annual survey that you do, and, and when do you start that? So we... We ask similar questions um, every year. So it's it's really just asking about the business. And then especially, um, you know, over the past pandemic years, we were trying to gauge their comeback. So uh -huh. that's right. So that's where we started asking um, the, the real differences in year over year. And then everyone, unfortunately, you know, benchmarks to 2019. So, you know, we've been we've been using that that as well. So, so your survey just released, and I know you've had a, a number of press uh, releases and information on on the site uh, of of what some of the um, uh, results are. But tell me, from your words, what most surprised you about the twenty three survey? Before we dive into some specific questions, what what did you look at? Saying, yeah, I I wouldn't say that I necessarily had surprises or revelations, but it, it was good information that indicated our members' recovery and rebuilding is going well, and it's actually going better than what they had, you know, initially responded in 20 and 21 as to when they thought they would be back to 2019 levels. So that's, I think, a very, a very good thing. Uh, you know, we also received really helpful information related to how we can shape conversations and, and 
content for this year um, and beyond. And that definitely includes um, really promoting um, the value of group and package travel, especially to, you know, like our supplier audience, for example. Um, and then as we were just talking about informing all of our members about sustainability, um, responsible travel and regenerative tourism. Th those are some things that popped out at me um, when when I was looking at the results. So you mentioned uh, promoting group and package travel to the industry. And I think that one area that we've all seen um, some fall off is the supplier marketplace overall and just their interested groups. And, you know, part of that was simple logistics over COVID is that, you know, we can't take 30 people in. We just, you know, we, we don't have the space to do that or a, a restaurant that maybe years past would welcome group business just doesn't have the staffing levels to, in order to accommodate 40 people sitting down at one time. So logistically there were some issues, but overall, I think we've seen some fall off specifically in the hotel sector of, of those uh, industry suppliers that are chasing, I wouldn't even say chasing groups, responding to group requests. Let's start there, <laughs> the small wins. Right. You know, yeah, looking at this as an industry-wide problem, because it certainly is, what can we do as a unit to try to convince these market sectors that, you know, this was a very reliable sector of business for you before. And as we see business evening out, which I think for the most part, we are, you know, there's, it, it's not as red hot in areas of the country that it once was. Um, how do we get them back to love groups again? You know, everyone keeps saying that they expect the, the bubble to burst on transient travelers paying, you know, incredibly high rates for hotels, for example, but no one anticipates this happening in 24, you know, especially based on the booking rates now. Um, I think that is perhaps the biggest thing. And it's, you know, it's something you really were alluding to is like, you know, with many revenue managers being new, they they simply don't understand group travel. And what we really started talking about even all the way back in 21 is that don't turn your back on tour operators and group business because they are the ones who are going, they're going to come back. This, this, this transit traveler is going to bring a couple of points to you and then he or she may not be back ever or mm -hmm. not for many, many years, but your tour operator, you know, you know, being good to them, they're going to be good to you. They are going to continue to bring um, groups back. And it's not, it's it's going to be, you know, like a whole block of rooms and not just, you know, one room for a few nights. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, so what we're trying to help our members see and our contacts in many cases for our association are not the ones making these decisions. Correct. So, it, you know, many times we're saying, how can we help you educate your revenue managers. And we had a, a webinar last year where, you know, we, we shared some of those um, things, you know, like one of our members who works very well with his and here are some things you can share, mm -hmm. but it's, you know, unreasonable cancellation terms, non-refundable deposits in attrition clauses. And then now it's like these add-on amenity fees, such as cities or hotels located in cities now charging an urban fee um, yeah. versus urban that. Urban escape fee? Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. I got one of those somewhere in Seattle. I'm like, I get, what, what, what? Um, yes, that's the, the, the urban amenities. Yes. yes. So, you know, really trying <laughs> to help the people who are making the decisions at these at these hotels and other um, supplier members just understand it's it it it's not going to earn business from 
from a, a, a tour operator and it's business that you that you want to have. Yeah. And I know there are two sides to the stories. You know, it may be now that an operator is going to have to give up a little bit because the market did change during mm -hmm. during COVID. So what we've tried to do as an association as well is and this is through our member networks coming together is all right, tour operators, let's hear the supplier side. All right. So supplier, you need to hear the operator side. And and how how can we come together? But right now it does seem to be a, a little tilted um, away from the operators business. It, it does. So I think we need to find some of these hotel rev manager conferences and just brainstorm with them or or barnstorm maybe. That might be more of the uh right. the solution is that we, we just go in with our PowerPoint presentation. This is your annuity for the future. You know, we we realize that you're all like spending like drunken sailors now, but uh <laughs> groups are your your long-term annuity. Um so you mentioned pricing and I think that's that's a good segue to my next question here because you know, we've really seen across the board out of necessity in some areas, out of greed in other, where goods and services are going up across the board. Travel inflation is, is very real. But when I look at your survey results, I see roughly a third of your members say that their profit margins were actually up. Um, so, you know, I, I think if you look at traditional businesses where your goods and services are costing more, margins tend to get squeezed and actually the reverse happens. So, it, it, obviously, at least a third of your operators has some pricing power. Uh, why do you think that is? Well, so this was different last year in our survey because the tour operators didn't have an opportunity to adjust pricing. And we heard from so many of them that they were absorbing the loss. And, you know, they've had now the opportunity to adjust pricing. You know, I, I think it's a good thing that they're not devaluing the amazing product and services and experiences that they offer. And, it, it, it literally pained a lot of them because they, you know, had longtime clients or whatnot. But they, they've had to make those adjustments in order to to thrive. But trust me, a tour operator will still tell you that they aren't in this business for money. But they're 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 doing what they need to do to survive and and thrive. And that truly is is the biggest difference. Is that um, you know before. And, and motor coaches or hotels, frankly, kind of just barely edged out motor coaches as one of the biggest pain points. <laughs> and uh, in, in, in fact, we'll tell you, as we were watching the responses on the survey, it would be like, OK, motor coaches are first. Nope, nope, nope. Now it's hotels. So um, it it just really came down to the the operators, not all of them, but really just looking at how, how must we adjust our pricing in order to um, – in, in, ensure that that we're a business. Exactly. So I think the other side of that is, you know, staffing levels. And, and you know, if you look at one of the reasons why motor coach rates are so high is because drivers can work for Amazon or UPS and they can sleep in their own bed and they can make more money. So that, yeah. that cost has gone up. Uh, equipment has gone up. Diesel fuel is is higher. So, you know, th those operators are motor coach operators are just passing on costs to their their end customers. I, I don't know that they're necessarily uh, making more more money than they were pre-COVID because they probably have less coaches on the road. But mm -hmm. the one thing we've seen really record, you know, across the board is staffing levels are depleted and that's every sector of the industry uh, amidst record unemployment. So it's not anymore that people just don't want to work. We just, we don't have the people. Um, how are your members? And I think this can 
really be true for any sector. How are they coping with this? Um, and, you know, is there anything that you're seeing in the industry? And I, I'm not challenging NTA to come up with a solution for this, but, you know, how we can um, you know, ultimately build back employment in the travel industry, because what is suffering is service levels. You know, we, we know that for sure is that, you know, that that uh, the wait times, the cleanliness of the rooms, um, just, you know, being able to get things answered if you have a question that's what's really suffering and eventually people get tired of that so I, it's it's going to become a bigger problem the farther we get through this mm-hmm. I, we need to continue to advocate for for good wages especially mm. entry-level positions and and career pathing so that people want to work in our amazing industry it's i like to look at foundations of problems and how can we fix foundations you know how how can we help even at the the education level to make um, younger people want to get involved in our inter- industry. And frankly, a lot of that is the, I think the reputation of, of our industry may not be a great one, but we know because we work in it, there is so much great opportunity, but we we need to ensure that it, that it really is there. Um, you know, I hear <clears throat> constantly how hard everyone is working. You know, you have to nudge someone to get responses. You often have to work so hard just to even to seek out your your contact. And I know people are tired, so it's amazing that I still see so much graciousness with within our industry. Not always, but but for the most part. And I think though it's really advocating for ensuring that people want to work in the industry, that they have a living wage, and that when they get that first job, that they can see here's a future for me at this hotel, at this destination, at this tour company, or even just somewhere, somewhere else. I think the other side of that, Catherine, is that through COVID, we have lost so much talent in this industry. And, you know, and I remember, and I don't want to turn this into a, you know, remember when, because for the most part, we try to bury COVID, but uh, my sales reps, we we operate off of teams. And it seems like every day I would be getting messages like, do you know, so-and-so left the XYZ Bureau or, you know, Marley's gone after 25 years. And I'm like, folks, you just got to stop that because that's that's a very negative perception of the industry and and a lot of companies had to make hard decisions but we haven't seen a lot of those people come back um certainly a number of them have but we've lost so much knowledge base in the industry we need to rebuild that still i think yeah the loss of institutional knowledge was it was it, it was sad and that's one of the challenges is because you're uh, to our breeders talk about how they have to educate the the people that that you know they're working with. Once again, I think that's a part of the association's responsibility. So this year we started industry 101 sessions for um, uh, people newer to our membership. Uh, you know, so here's something that you can learn from a DMO, a supplier, and an operator about how they work terms. Um, we NTA 101. So it's it's that kind of just baseline foundational information that will help them be better professionals. And then when they get to our, our shows, then they can have better appointments and do better business and people aren't getting frustrated. So it's it's all of us thinking of things like that, that we can do just, uh, you know, across the board to try and um raise that that level of institutional knowledge again sure. and we and we have to look too let's look at the bright side you know hopefully there are some fresh ideas coming in i loved seeing the 
um, the younger people, the exuberance, um, and, and maybe people who necessarily, um, they may have been more veterans in terms of their professional experience, but they were new to NTA or new to the industry. And they were just as eager to learn as well. So that, I try and look at that um, silver lining as well. Sure. Do you track the number of new timers at NTA at your uh, travel exchange? We do. So we ask, um, you know, everyone, you know, who is is a first timer to get our little pink first timers ribbon. But yes, we know all of the first timers and we we had hundreds at at the show. Okay. Okay. I I, I know that um, not the same industry, but certainly within travel, um, the the sports ETA group, which is on the sports tourism side, um, their show this past year, the 33% of the attendees had never been to that show before. And I know, absolutely. Well, so that's great in one way, but the other side is you've got a lot of people bumping into each other that really don't know what's going on uh, because it takes a couple of years to figure out how to do the shows and how, especially when they're appointments, and you've got a busy schedule and it's 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 going to be a few years before all this evens out. Yeah. So we, we have a, a, a very robust first timer program and it starts really from the, the time that we register and we have newbie notes that go out that, you know, hopefully people are going to be reading it or watching the little short videos that we send out. Of course, they they have that responsibility, um, but we do our best to really try and nurture them. We even have ambassadors that will, you know, talk to them. Um, We have a very hands-on service approach with our staff as well. And, you know, Todd and Jen on our team will have hour-long conversations with members just to help them. So, you know, that's leading up to the event. Then we have things on site um, throughout the show as well. And it's important because, as an association, we need to make sure that our members are able to do good business together. And that's just that's just a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you do the the main show is Travel Exchange. Uh, and then I know there's also contact for those that maybe are uh, familiar with how NTA operates. What's the difference between those two events? So contact is our what we call our our buyer retreat. It's for okay. um, tour companies, travel advisors, receptive operators, DMCs um, coming together in um, it's really a more intimate retreat like setting. Um, we have around 150 attendees. I, I love travel exchange, but I really love contact because even okay. as a staff member, it allows us to have conversations with our members, but that's what happens with them. Meaningful, relevant, in-depth conversations. We don't have the rush of um, the pre-scheduled business appointments. It's all organic networking during the breakfast and lunches, the content. Um, we have great content, period, but at Contact, it's very much focused um, on what, what that operator needs. And then okay. there's excellent um uh, experience and sightseeing opportunities within the destination as well. Gotcha. Do you do NTA sponsored fam trips? No, we, um, no, we do not. No, but so Uh during contact, there will be, you know, there are are fams then, and then we also have what we call, um, educational outings on a half day. The destination will host based on, different markets, whether it be culinary, um, adventure, um, whatnot, they'll, they'll do those and the attendees go to them. So that's tied into contact, but there's no, there's not product development trips or fam trips that you're, that you're running during the year for members. 
No, we we had done those in the past and we've talked about bringing those back, but probably what we would do is is liter- not endorse them because we had a pretty rigorous um, set of requirements um, for those pre-COVID and that is just something we decided, okay, we're going to have to shelve that <laughs> but um you know we're, we're happy if if one of our members wants to do a product development trip or a fam we'd be happy to help them promote that so that they could get our members to attend because once again that's a way for them to to learn about a destination yeah absolutely okay i remember you doing that before and and um i hadn't seen anything not that i was necessarily looking for it but usually those emails get across your desk or you hear about it from a conversation so good yeah. um and then you're doing contact in is it newfoundland uh new new oh gosh i can't even say it <laughs> <laughs> newfoundland <laughs> yes yes so okay. super excited about that it's um so contact shifts you know, March, April, May, depending on the destination. So we'll be in uh, St. John's, Newfoundland, May 20 through uh, 23. Mm. And then we announced at Travel Exchange this year that uh, in 25, we'll be on Mackinac Island. That one also is going to be in May. And then in 26, we'll be in Charleston. And that one actually will be in March. So, nice, nice. Well, that's yeah. three great destinations. So very cool. It's that's, that's yeah, one yeah. reason to join NTA. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And then for travel exchange, um, uh, twenty four and twenty four will be in Huntsville, Alabama, Rocket City. Cool. cool. So that's a great city. We had an NTA board member there. Oh my gosh, I don't know, maybe eight some odd years ago, and it's just changed so much since then. So I, I really look forward to um, in the city taking, in Alabama, right? Yes. Largest of population. Yeah. Very, yes. very, very fast growing. Yeah. And then in 25, um, we are going to Ottawa for a travel exchange. Wow. So. Okay. Okay. Well, that'll be beautiful. Yeah. So yeah, excited. Nice. Okay. So um, I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, Catherine, because I know you've got a busy schedule, but you know, overall, I'm, I'm very optimistic to see that NTA operators have really recovered pretty well through COVID and numbers are looking good. That was borne out through the survey. Now, obviously, um, rising tides did not lift all boats equally. That's, that's sort of part of how um, the industry operates, but uh, it seems as though operators are back on good footing again and looking forward to 2024. Um, I guess last question for you, uh, what barriers do you see for success within the operator community? What, what's what's the challenges that remain out there going into next year? Seems like the economy is going good. People are still spending money, but uh, any hiccups that might derail things? You know, I was, I was with a group of our operators um, recently, and I think especially for those located here in the U.S., you know, you, you think about we have an election year coming up and that can always get kind of a, a bit squirrely, especially yep. with the you know the nature yeah. of everything these days. Correct. So I think that's that's on people's minds. And sometimes I wish that we would just put that aside because does it almost become a self-fulfilling prophecy? But it's, you know, the markets talk about it. Media talks about it. So it's 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 kind of outside our you know realm of, of control. Um, I really do hope that we can turn things around with, you know, our um, the issues with suppliers so that our sure. operators aren't having to, to work as hard as as they really do. You know, beyond that, consumer demand, traveler demand is just it's it's still incredible. So that's that's very gratifying. 
So if we can just continue to um, help bring all of our members together so that the operators are creating that amazing product that travelers are looking for, I think things are just going to you know, continue to be to be really positive. Awesome. Well, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed in that regard because uh, we exactly. need some. Exactly, and your toes we, too. Exactly, and my toes as well. We need some good news. Well, Catherine, I, I really want to thank you first and foremost for all that you do for the industry and the acumen that you bring every day and what NTA has done and really helping to to keep this sector of the industry united and moving forward together. You've got your your fingers in a lot of different pies over there and you know, you're trying to push different buttons. And I think that's admirable because, you know, the, the one thing that we know about this business is that there is no constant anymore. You've always got to be looking out for whatever that next opportunity is. And, you know, NTA has uh, certainly embodied that uh, message. So I really appreciate everything that you've done. Uh, best of luck to you in 2024. And um, I guess uh, last question is if somebody was interested in NTA, um, you know, how do they find out more information about what you guys do? Oh, thank you. And I, I want to thank you as well, too, because, you know, as a, a you know, I, I started in my career as as a journalist. So I sincerely appreciate everything that you and, you know, Premier Travel Media that you all do because you get great information out there. So um, that's I, I appreciate your good work. So to learn about us, you know, headquarters at ntastaff.com is an email address and then you can go to our website, ntaonline.com, to learn more. Um, but I, I, I would encourage the website, but then also email us because we'll be happy to, to reach out and, and have a conversation. Survey that we spoke about today, uh, that information is posted on the website. I'm sure people can find information. Yes, yes, absolutely. We have um, com complete information um, about our membership categories, our events okay. coming up, news releases, everything, all available. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say as a supplier, particularly if you're interested in the industry, uh, this should give you some good background as far as what's happening and, you know, try, try to get involved as this recovery is underway. So thanks again, Catherine, and happy holidays to you. Thank you, Jeff. Get paid to travel the world with friends and family as the leader of your very own travel tribe. This book by travel industry publisher Jeff Gader will show you how. Order your copy of Traveling Tribes at leisuregrouptravel.com or at Amazon. Type in keyword Traveling Tribe.